0: Well, here's episode number five happening, Danny's Musical Chats. So, uh, interestingly enough, I've uh, stopped for a little break here at a place called Brecca. It's in my neighborhood on Denman. And they play all classic 50s, 60s, and some 70s tunes, so I feel right at home. (laughs) It's almost listening to the Bobcat set list half the time here. I really like it, and it's really wide open. It's not designed for a lot of people. It's really a takeout type of place, so I'm able to socially distance easily, and uh, they really handle things well here in terms of traffic flow. So I'm pretty happy with that. Anyway, that's my location. Now, my topic today is going to be um, basically around continuing with that idea of my musical path. Um, Coming to Vancouver, which I mentioned in a previous episode—I forget which one. <laughs> I think it might have been three. Anyway, uh, I was talking about you know the the beginnings of my uh, time here in Vancouver as a musician after coming, moving from Winnipeg, settling here basically in '83, and starting uh, gigging uh, with my old friend Bob White, rest his soul. Um, we formed a duo called Fat City, and it was quite a path. We started in 83 and basically went to 1990, so it was a long time, and it went through a lot of changes. We started as duo, obviously, Uh, we called ourselves Fat City, got our pictures taken, the whole deal got all shined up, and uh, actually, uh, with the help of a lot of good friends, or several good friends, uh, Joe Conroy being one, I don't know who remembers Joe. He's passed away as well, but he was a wonderful entertainer, guitar player, and did some booking. and He got us connected up with a lot of gigs, like Umberto's and Whistler, some really sweet ones, and a few, <laughs> the Lamplighter in Gastown, etc. So we were doing this thing, and pretty successfully, actually, quite successfully. You know, I hustled really hard, and uh, there was a circuit that you could get booked on. Uh, so you know, we were you know we were flying pretty good. You know, me and Bob, just the two of us, a drum machine. I played guitar, uh, initially acoustic and electric, and then I added the Roland 700-707 synth guitar to expand the tunes we could do, which was very cool, and it was very popular at that time in history. So um, we continued. We were actually more of a classic rock thing, but we incorporated. We did things by men at work and the police and, you know, you know Brian Adams, etc., you know, we we did do other stuff. But the real character of the thing was quite similar to what, you know, many years later would become, you know, the similar repertoire to the Bobcats. A bunch of tunes that we didn't do in the Bobcats, and some we did. But it was a pretty good formula as a duo. But as time went by, we got opportunities. Uh, we got an opportunity to go, of all places, Inovic. Uh, my good friend Brent Schindel was up there playing I think with was Sherry Ulrich, in this place called The Wolf Trap. And he called me and says, would you guys be interested in coming up here? But it's a trio gig. And we had, uh, I think we'd done a little bit of gigs with a guy named Chris Norquist. Chris the Wrist Norquist, a great drummer here in Vancouver, originally from Edmonton. Another prairie boy. So three prairie boys, we went up to Inuvik. And that was an experience and a half. We were up there for three weeks. And then guess where we went next? Right, away, we went directly to Expo '86, and we were we had been hooked up with the uh, well, one of the guys from the Irish Rovers. Joe had seen us uh, playing at the Rusty Gulp Pub in North Vancouver, I think in '80, 80, late '84, maybe '85. I can't remember, but you know he really liked us as a duo, and he gave me he gave me his card because of did all the business. Anyway, one thing led to another, and uh, connection connection, we ended up hooked up with those guys. And they had two clubs, Waves, Cabaret, and uh, the Unicorn at Expo. We ended up getting hooked up and doing many, many gigs at Waves. And recently I uh, posted a recording that surfaced on a cassette from then, which was just mind-boggling. It was Chris and Bob and myself. Bob was playing bass in those days, and I was using all three of those instruments, uh, the guitars and singing, and Chris was singing as well. And It was a wonderful little band. Anyway, that was that was sort of a that was a really big thing, and uh, it, we were we were happening pretty good, and we actually ended up getting um, as uh, rise, you know, most promising rising type of uh, club act uh, for the uh, 1987 year later Kerris Awards, and I was nominated as guitar player of the year, which blew my mind. Of course, I didn't win, <laughs> but some good people were in there. I think Harris Van Burkle was the guy who won. Dan Smith was in there, I believe Lindsay Mitchell, I can't remember. But, you know, we were pretty established and rolling. Those were good times in Vancouver. That's all I can say. I was really, really pleased that we kept our spot, and we we subsequently added a fourth member at a certain point, Mr. Adam Rorlick, on keyboards, saxophone, and uh, guitar. An incredibly multi-talented guy who continues to play here in town, um, you know, with... Uh, there's, you know, various different groups, and, um, yeah, Hip Pocket is actually the name of his band, uh, that he does various different lineups, and he, uh, he plays at La Provence every, uh, well, most every Wednesday. Sometimes he subs out and does jazz. He's uh, turned into quite a great jazz player as well as being a rock and roller. Anyway, the noise level is getting heavier here in Bracken. So, I'm going to sign off pretty soon. I just just want to give you a little taste of what it was like there in the mid 80s and uh, into the end of the 80s for me. All right, then. They're grinding some coffee or doing something here, so I'm out of here. Talk soon. Well, I'm back one more time. I say that at the beginning of every one of these things, but it's true. I'm actually back. Uh, Danny's musical chats. So,. yeah, I think today I am going to talk a little bit more about music than anything else, seeing how it's uh, it's on my mind these days, music, thinking about uh, the music I've been making recently with my friend Dana Honey and uh, on occasion with Randy Otto and his son uh, Axel. Um, um, if anybody's been following what I've been doing with these guys recently, it's we just hit number 12 of 12 classic tunes from the... 60s um, from the era that I grew up in and that we all grew up in and the three of us and of course Axel is 15 so <laughs> he's a little bit younger um, but basically doing tunes that we really love and doing them as, as close as possible to the originals you know that's kind of the idea we bring a little bit of, uh, of extra stuff in occasionally and make some changes but the real essence of the tunes is, is really there so they kind of sound like the records, and the whole point of the thing is it's a great focus and exercise around tunes that we love, and uh, or I should mention also that it's not just uh, it's not just guys doing this. We got uh, Susanna Williams uh, singing on some of this stuff, background vocal swells, lead vocals, fabulous singer uh, who was one of my guitar students for a period of time, but she's a multi instrumentalist. Uh, composer uh engineer producer uh, songwriter and an amazing singer uh, percussionist she's she's quite an amazing person actually a uh, great friend and uh she jumped on board even though she's a lot younger than me and dana and and randy she's well she's in her mid forties I believe and um, we're all pushing seventy <laughs> So we actually come from that era, but she just gets a charge out of it because, well, they're great songs. We got her to sing uh, the old Lulu hit, To Serve With Love, from the movie, and she just nailed it. It was fantastic. Um, Another thing that she sang backgrounds on, um, well, she sang lead on To Serve With Love, but she sang background vocals uh, on uh, the song by Johnny Rivers, uh, The Poor Side of Town. And it turned out fantastic. So we're looking at doing um, another feature tune with her and and also getting her to sing some backgrounds on a tune that isn't a tune from the 60s or the 70s or anything. It's a tune that I co-wrote myself in, um, I guess it was around 1998, something like that, maybe 99, something like that, uh, with a friend of mine named Chuck Brickley, who's a really good songwriter. And... I mainly haven't done a lot of writing uh, songs, but I've co-written with a few people. And Chuck really uh, he encouraged me back then. We wrote this song called What Really Hurts. It's an R&B tune, uh, like a, an R&B ballad, basically. Soul ballad. And at that time when that was going on, I was working in an R&B band. I was actually uh, co-leading with a great singer by the name of Mike Henry. Um, Mike Henry and the Big Dog Band, and I was the big dog. We had, like, uh, everything from a trio right up to an, an eight-piece. Uh, we did, It was really good, and we wrote some original tunes and uh, recorded some of it. Nothing ever happened of it, you know, the usual thing in the music business. But we wrote some good stuff, and one of the tunes, was that first tune was that me and Chuck wrote, was uh, This is What Really Hurts. And a long, long time ago, I'd given Dana a cassette of it well, back in that time period, actually, that long ago. And uh, he brought it up to me a couple, three months ago, saying, well, why don't we do something original? And I really like that tune. And I thought, well, I guess we could. But just kept kind of shoving it aside. I couldn't find, like, the original recording of it um, that we had done. And actually, I never did find the session, the recording session one. I found a, uh, I mean, the one that was supposed to go on the record. I found uh, the demo tape which was pretty good. It was done in a studio as well, but it wasn't really ideally what I would have liked to use as a reference. But at least it's the song. So we're working on that right now. Uh, Well, Dana's really got started on it. He's been working on... uh, He does the programming of the drums and the bass. That's what he's doing right now. Uh, He's a multi-instrumentalist, so he'll he'll be singing this tune. He'll be lead singing it. And Susanna will be singing the background vocals. I might sing some too. I don't know. But she definitely will be. Uh, I'll be playing guitars on it. Uh, that's my, my sort of contribution to this one. and Plus being the co-writer. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of exciting because it's different from what we have done. Uh, I love doing these classic tunes from the 60s. And we're going to do a lot more of them. We're looking to find one to feature uh, Susanna on lead vocals on. I'm not too sure what it'll be right now, but uh, we'll be doing one of those soon. That'll probably be the next, you know, the next cover will be that with Susanna. And um, yeah, this is going to be interesting how this plays itself out because it's quite different from anything that we've done. There's nothing that's even remotely really like it because it was from a kind of a different time of my life musically and a different stylistic thing, you know. So I think that's kind of exciting. And uh, I think Daniel Daniel's saying it great. It'll, it'll be different from when we did it with the Big Dog band because it was it was a different thing. But it'll be there again, I'm going to use, uh, hopefully I can find the, the, the session from the uh, that we actually were going to record. Well, we recorded it to be released, but the record never happened. So it's, it's a little bit more produced. It's got a little bit more stuff going on. So hopefully I'll find that. It's crazy. It's been like, oh God, it's been, was 2002 when we did it, when we did that record, or three quarters of a record. <laughs> so that's how long it's been. So a lot of stuff just sort of, you know, God knows where it ended up, right? Um, but I found an old, an old disc, and my brother also had a disc with a bunch of the tunes on it. But unfortunately some of these old discs they get scratched and uh they get a little bit rough so what i'm looking for right now is i got a hold of chuck who is my co-writer on what really hurts and i he's going to look to see if he's got a file of it and and send me a file of the actual session of the the actual recording session that mike sang on so that you know it's it's an interesting sort of thing i'm involved in with dana and uh and Randy, of course, will add some keys to the whole thing, and we'll probably get Axel to play bass on it. Maybe, maybe not. I think probably not because Dan has been programming the bass. Um, he may, he may just send that to Axel. I don't really know how it, that's going to play itself out. But it's it's an interesting thing to focus on in these times of isolation, you know, that we are all going through, and. It'll be also interesting to see we've gotten very good response on all the cover tunes we've done, putting stuff up on YouTube and Facebook and various different Facebook pages. Um, but this is different. This is not something anybody's even really heard. you know. So it may just tank. Maybe nobody will like it. I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of response we get on that. it would be neat if everybody likes it or somebody likes it anyway. But it's just a little different, just to do a little bit different. We're looking at doing, uh, also looking at more different things to do. We did, we've did, we only done one instrumental so far. We did Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs, and it turned out really good. But looking at other, other instrumentals, you know, guitar instrumentals or keyboard instrumentals. Um, so it's not all, we, we mix it up quite a bit, actually. We mix it up quite a bit stylistically. And I think, you know, having a, Featured woman singer, you know an instrumental, a guitar instrumental, a keyboard instrumental, um, you know, you know, harmony type tunes, right? You know, up tempo pop tunes, you know, you know, lush ballads, you know, all sorts of stuff, and uh, you know, keep ourselves occupied. <laughs> anyway, that's that's kind of what I've been up to. The, recently, I've been thinking about that and thinking about, well, I wonder where it's gonna go. Like, we're not making any money on this. We're not even trying to. Um, you know, we're not, you know, doing sort of a Patreon thing or anything like that, which a lot of people are doing right now. Maybe we're foolish not to. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's not like we don't need money, but, uh, you know, that's not really the, what got us going on this or is really keeping us going on this. It's really about just doing something good. And, you uh, I really enjoy working, uh, I, I mostly collaborate with Dana, you know, in terms of the production and that, you know, the mixing and stuff, as well as the playing and the singing, you know, we, we are back and forth quite a bit. Um, Randy's involved, of course, but not quite in the same way. Uh, he You know, he contributes actual musical stuff, but not so much input, and he's not really involved in the, sort of the assembly of everything, you know, I mean... To be frank, you know, Dana's really take, he's the, he does the heavy lifting because he, he does, you know, the engineering and the uh, the mixing. You know, he does the mixing, but we collaborate on the decisions and the ideas, and we we do an awful lot of talking around parts and stuff like that, too. But he does the heavy lifting, though. He does a lot of the technical stuff. Plus he's he's a multi-instrumentalist, so he, uh, he'll add strings to things, and you know, things like that. He's, he's quite... Plus, he's a very good guitar player, too. He's just played acoustic on some stuff so far, but he's going to be getting a new electric guitar, which I'm really looking forward to that we can both play electric guitars and stuff. I played some acoustic, too, which most people don't hear me do. Um, that's the thing about recording, is it's, it's you can, you can choose instruments and do different things that maybe you would never do in a live circumstance. So you know, I'm enjoying it. It's a good thing. Hope everybody out there is enjoying it too. Uh, we're sure to get great, great response. So I mean, it's fantastic. Oh, there's another component to this thing I didn't mention. Um, we have videos that go with all of these things that are done by a really old friend of mine, a great musician as well as producer and a videographer and um, all that uh, by the by the name of Mick Delave. and Mick. Mick is an amazing guy. He's been producing videos for all of our songs. Um, and we we collaborate a little bit. you know we'll, we'll, we'll look for old footage from Shindig or Hullabaloo or Ed Sullivan show or whatever. And what he does is he matches up our recordings as best as possible with the, the performances that are on these shows by the original artists. Now, on those shows, they're often, they're not actually singing or playing. They're, they're, they are miming to their own records. So the people that are on there and the bands and the singers, they make mistakes. <laughs> and We try not to make mistakes compared to the record, but there's uh, there's sync problems sometimes, but the overall effect is fantastic and Mick does a fantastic job of it. He's quite brilliant. And, uh, so it's a kind of a package that comes out when it comes out. He loads it onto uh, YouTube and then we put it onto our our own Facebooks. and you know there's a few different Facebook. There's a thing called Manitoba Music Museum, which is a fantastic uh, Facebook thing about obviously about rock and roll and everything else from Manitoba, particularly Winnipeg. And uh, both Dana, well, Dana, Randy, and myself are all Winnipeg musicians originally. We started in 1966 back there, way, way back. And uh, so what I do is when we finish a tune, we have the video and everything, I post it on Manitoba Music Museum, you know, because there's, there's a spin to it. We're original Winnipeggers. And it's old stuff, right? And it's, so it's, it fits the whole thing. And we get tremendous response from them. I also put it up on I uh, thing called Retro St. James, which is another Facebook thing. And St. James is an area of Winnipeg. That our original band came up in, that's where we're, where we put the band together and our initial playing, and we have fans and everything from way back in the '60s, so I send them our tunes and they put them up there and all these old fans are you know coming out you know from back in the day they remember us, (laughs) it's fantastic, and what's also really interesting for me is that. You know people who on Manitoba Music Museum who don't necessarily have any knowledge of. Uh, they might know me a little bit more than Dana because Dana left in nineteen sixty nine, I believe, came to Vancouver, and I was much more involved in the Winnipeg music scene all the way through up until the mid eighties, uh, the early eighties. So um, they're they're finding out well, who is this Dana Honey guy, and you know, and they're finding out about our history and. So it's a, it's an interesting thing, and they and they're blown away by the tunes. So, hey, it's a win-win situation all the way around, right? So that's kind of what I've been up to lately, what I've been thinking about, and I'm coming to the end of this little musical chats thing with Danny. So, uh, hope you're well. Keep well. Keep safe out there. You know, take care of yourselves. You know, take care of those around you. Be aware. You know what else can I say? So I'll see you the next time around. Adios from Danny's Musical Chats. Musical Chats with Danny, however you want to look at it.